Welcome to the Soul Purpose Show, where we focus on black people's stuff. What we do is face issues of race from a unique black perspective. Uh, we talk about sex. Uh, actually, we discuss all types of relationship issues. Uh, we definitely get political. Really, all aspects of pop culture. Can we also talk about kids? Now, we'll definitely explore the challenges of raising a family. Well, that all sounds groovy. So stay tuned for another episode of the Soul Purpose Show. Groovy? Yeah. Uh, yeah, no. Hey, thank you for joining the Soul Purpose Show. I am your host, Keith. And I'm Monica. And we have some very, very interesting topics that we want to cover today regarding relationships. Why do we choose why do we choose a topic for this evening? Well, the last few weeks, um, I've seen a lot of folks discussing on social media this situation uh, with B. Smith. Uh, B. Smith is the black Martha Stewart. Mm. Uh, She has like a line of cookware and I think she had a couple of restaurants up north, I think in Maryland and the Maryland DC area. And there's been a lot of conversation on social media. Um, B Smith has dementia. She has advanced stages of Alzheimer Mm -hmm. and there has been a lot of conversation. Her husband, Dan Gatsby, I think is, is his name. A lot of conversation on social media about his decision to openly date someone while B. Smith is still living. The background story is in 2013, she was diagnosed with early onset Alzheimer's. And I believe now in terms of just kind of how the the stage of the disease, she's no longer, per him, she's no longer who she was. She's more childlike, I think is the phrase that was used when he was, he's made the media circuit. And so there, a photo came out, I think maybe on Instagram. I'm not sure if he posted it or someone maybe taken a, took, took a picture of him and his girlfriend and, you know, identified him as B. Smith's husband. And there was a lot of backlash from B. Smith's fans. And so he's been on this media circuit. It was on The View. I think Al Roker did a interview with him last week or earlier this week. Mm-hmm. I call it an apology tour or maybe an explanation tour. His response is that the people who are upset are more upset because his his girlfriend is white. Okay. Now, it's not really clear about whether or not the girlfriend is living in the house with him and B. Smith. Mm. But I know a lot of people have pushed back on this notion that he's by, you know, he has his girlfriend living in the house and there's been some conversation about whether or not he's violating his marital vows. Okay. And so I was like, oh, well, that would be an interesting topic for a podcast because we're married. Mm-hmm. We've never had that conversation. So, y'all, when we get through this, as we go through this conversation, my reactions will be legit reactions because I have no idea what my husband's going to say. Oh, and I'm going to say some things. I'm sure. So I thought it would be a really good conversation to have about marriage and in the event 
your spouse either has some catastrophic injury or they die or they're in a position such as B. Smith where they're not able to make life decisions and you're put in the position of caretaker, kind of what that means to your marital vows. Because I know a lot of people have given him flack by saying, well, she's still alive and you're still married and you're violating your vows and you and your, you and your new girlfriend are living off B. Smith's riches, et cetera. So I just thought it was a really good conversation to yeah, have. I, and, and I agree with you. I think this, um, this subject, obviously, we're going to talk a lot about uh, male and female uh, relationships. And actually, we're going to talk about same-sex relationships too. Um, but the reason why I think this is such an intriguing subject is because, I mean, at the end of the day, we are living in a time where 50% of all marriages end in divorce. And so we're constantly kind of examining this whole notion that I'm married to you, to death do us part, and then, you know, you know, half of us wind up, uh, you know, not, not making it. Um, this is our second marriage. So, I mean, we have some learnings and some things that we took away from our first uh, marriages that uh, that we also like to bring into this show and into this conversation as well. But um, I guess, you know, for starters, I want to just touch on, um, you know, the, in, in this country, the, one of the things that, that I think we suffer from is, you know, you have to go through, you know, serious tests and, and a road test and a written test and all of these things in order to get a driver's license, in order to drive a vehicle. And that, and that's you know you 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 drive by choice. Some would argue that you marry by choice too. But how is it that you can tie yourself legally to someone in this country without having formally gone through some type of a course where you even understand what marriage is is uh, is really all about? Okay, well, I mean, I think you know some people will say that churches, if you're a religious and spiritual person, there are some pastors that provide marital counseling. I know we did marriage counseling before we got married. Mm-hmm. It was very good. Um, and I think there's that piece to it, but I, what I've always said, and I've, this is the guidance that I've given my friends who are getting married or contemplating getting married or desire to get married that frequently people focus on the wedding and not the marriage. That's the first thing. Mm-hmm. And then the second, I will admit full disclosure, that was my issue in my first marriage. I was focused on the wedding and not so much as focused on the marriage keeping in mind that my parents before my father passed, they were married for 39, 38, 39 years, but people don't focus on the vows of the marriage. And to me, the vows, you're making a contract. I'm a lawyer. So you're making a contract with the person and contracts. When both people are agreeing, you have an offer, you have an acceptance. There's mutual understanding, consideration. You're giving up something. I'm giving up something. And so you have a legally bound contract. And I don't think that people really focus and pay attention on the vows that they take. Mm. They focus on the positive parts, but there's another part to those vows that I don't think people are really focused on because when you're getting married, you're in this euphoric stage or state and you're so excited about joining with this other person that you're not even thinking about the fact that something could potentially happen to them. And so, you know, one of the things that when I was listening to reading everybody's commentary about this B. Smith situation with her husband and his girlfriend, and then kind of looking at the commentary, his comments about the fact that he's adhering to his vows, he's there, he's not leaving. B is his wife. She's just not the person that he, you know, cognitively, she's just not the person that he married. People, you know, still challenge the fact that he was violating his vows. And I was like, well, is he really violating his vows? 
So I said, you know, let's take a look at the vowels. Let's take a look and see what the vowels say. Well, let's take a look and see what the vowels say. Because me personally, I think that that's a part of where this whole thing starts to go left, to be quite honest with you. Uh, the traditional wedding vows, and most of us are familiar with the traditional wedding vows because those are the ones that are usually replicated on, on television shows and, and, and et cetera, and in movies, et cetera, and they sound something like this. I, Keith, take thee, Monica, to be my wedded wife, to have and to hold from this day forward, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, to love and to cherish till death do us part, According to God's holy ordinance, and thereto I pledge thee my faith or pledge myself to you. The traditional wedding vows sound like death to me. They God. sound like death. That's, I mean, I'm serious. I mean, well, just you think said about it. Well, I said it because I had to. Oh, Lord. Well, and I, full disclosure, we also wrote our own vows, but we did recite those that he just said as well. I think that people focus on the better, the richer, the health, the love part. They don't focus, however, on the worse, the poorer, the sickness, the death. And so to me, it's a package deal. So you, when you make a decision to say, yes, I know that this person is the person for me. I'm committed to being with this person through sickness and health for better, for worse, for richer and poor. That means something. And that's a lot. I don't think people kind of get understand the full gamut of what that means as full disclosure keith and i both said going into the second marriage the divorce is not an option so we got to figure this thing out it's just it, divorce is expensive it's not a good thing that's a topic for another podcast mm -hmm. but we went in saying that divorce is not an option so whatever the issues are we got going on and y'all will learn as you all continue to listen to this podcast that we differ on a lot of different things we agree on a lot but we differ on a lot of different issues mm -hmm. But we made a decision that we were going to stick this thing out. We said that not really having a full appreciation, perhaps, for the fact that what if something happens to one of us? We have children. What happens if we have to be a caretaker for the other? And, the, you know, the example I have is my mom. She's going to be mad that I'm talking about her on social media, but on, on the podcast. And, you know, your mother as well. Mm -hmm. Our mothers were caretakers for our fathers. And to me, she lived, my mom, I can speak for my mother, lived out the other side of those vows for the worse, the sickness. She was there. She was a rider. She was you know, taking care of my father. And I recall very specifically that when my dad was going through his issues, his health issues, that thing really coming on him heavy and just kind of reflecting on what those vows mean. And that you really, and this is a quote from, he said this, I never, when you say those vows, when you get married, you never really have an appreciation for what that means until you're faced with the other side of it. Mm -hmm. When things are going well and everything's really cool, it's easy to stay. But when things get bad and things get real rough, it's easy for people to leave. And so having said that, I'm looking at B. Smith's husband. Things are rough for him. He hasn't put her in a home he made a comment, you know, I made a dis I made a commitment to her that I was going to be there for her and I'm here for her. I didn't put her in a home. She's a, I'm her caretaker, but as a caretaker that gets, that's challenging. It's tiring. And so is he based on the situation, you know, I, I, we haven't talked about the situation. So I don't even know how you feel about mm -hmm. it. Is he wrong 
in that scenario, he's taking care of his wife. He's being the caretaker. Is he really adhering to his vows? And is it wrong for him to have a girlfriend? So I think, you know, it's, a, it's probably a, a, a great opportunity for me to share with you. And I'm going I'm to, you know, kind of pull the veil back a little bit and share a little bit about why I think men and women marry for different reasons. I don't think that men and women are that different in a lot of respects. But in terms of the decision to get married, I do think we get married for different reasons. And let me just share a little bit about what I'm, what I'm, what I'm talking about. Women marry for security. I hear you talking a lot about caretaking and taking care of and all those kind of things. But at the end of the day, I think y'all fall in love, but you also marry for some sense of security. Now, here's a little known you know, fact about men. When men get married, we absolutely get married for companionship. We are physical creatures. We're visual creatures. I mean, we like the, um, you know, to know that the whole physical part of our relationship is, is significant. And I, and I think that a, a, a huge part of what motivates uh, a man in, to stay engaged in a relationship is this feeling that we get from you that affirms and confirms that we are, you know, we, we are important and we are masculine and we are, you know, those, all of those things, it, it feeds us and we, and we actually, and we actually feed off of that. Okay. So, I, I mean, that's just, I mean, that's just my perspective, but, but I also, you know, I also understand that, you know, the caregiving and the worse and the bad health and all those things are important also. So, so is your thought because men and women get married for different reasons that one of the reasons why in this particular situation, the basis for this conversation, one of the reasons that he is dating someone else is because he lacked the companionship. He's missing the companionship that he had with his wife. Absolutely. And, and, and men, we want to be affirmed. And here's the thing. And I'm actually, you know, I'm, I'm really kind of pulling the veil back again because, and I'm 100%, you know, red blooded, uh, African-American male, you know, so I'm, so I'm, I'm as tough as they come, you know, but at the end of the day, I, we, we will, we need to admit to ourselves and we need to admit to our significant others. And we really need to admit to the world too, that our, our biggest vulnerability is not being affirmed by the individual that we have chosen. And by the way, we do, you know, for the most part, we choose you because it's us who, you know, we kind of do the asking and it's important for us to get that re uh, affirmation from, you know, from, from our spouse. And so, yeah, I think what you might be seeing is, is, you know, this brother feels like he's doing his job because we are kind of natural. Um, we are natural caretakers. We, we want to take care of things. We want to fix things. So he feels like he's probably doing his job on that level, providing the security. But at the same time, he's not in a position to get back from her kind of what he signed up for. And so I'm not, you know, I'm not, Defending him one way or the other, I'm just telling, I'm just kind of sharing a little bit of insight as to what I think happens uh, in the psyche of a man when his, uh, when his significant other is no, no longer available for him. So would you consider what he's doing a violation of his vows? I guess is the question. Because I know, now admittedly, I haven't heard on social media very much feedback from men, but a lot of the feedback and pushback that I think he's getting that I've seen, and there may be some men that are saying it, you know, challenging him or questioning his motives but a lot of what i'm seeing on social media is from women and i think for women the notion that as a man if you love your wife you love your wife till death do you part mm -hmm. and the fact that she's not 
dead physically and she's still here physic in the physical sense i think it's concerning for some people because as a as a woman you and, and, and admittedly he said a part of the reason probably why people are he's receiving so much vitriol is because his corporate girlfriend is white and b smith is african-american an african a strong african-american woman just a, a fabulous persona when she was in her heyday and so and a lot of the pushback i see is getting that i see is from women I will say I've not really voiced my opinion so much. I think um, I know there was some article that recently came out that said, I don't know if it's true or not. It was some blogger that said Bravo was considering doing some reality TV show about the whole situation, which I think is if that is the case, it is in poor taste because at the end of the day, B. Smith is an icon. And I think you protect to me as the man. This is my issue. As the man and as the husband, your goal should be to protect your spouse. Mm -hmm. And because if you're going to date someone, I don't care what color she is, if you're going to date someone because of the current situation that you're in, I think it's in poor taste to be so public about it because at the end of the day, you are showcasing a woman who you made vows to. You didn't make vows to this girlfriend. Mm -hmm. You made vows to your wife to protect her. And so in my mind, by being so public about your relationship and I get what you're saying about the need for companionship and the need for affirmation that she's no longer able to provide but if your goal is to really protect her you're there as a caretaker a part of your vows also is to protect it's not, not a part of your vows but a part if you are a person who is connected with God then a part of what God tells you to do if you're a husband is you're supposed to be the protector of the house and you're the covering of the house. And to me, if you are supposed to be the covering of the house, the protector of the house, love your spouse as Christ loved the church, there's a level of guard that you're supposed to have that I find troubling because by put placing her B Smith in this situation where everybody can see what's going on, I don't think it's protecting her in Um, my view. Well, I mean, so it's interesting your, your perspective on what protecting is to what extent is he in a position to protect if, in fact, he has a girlfriend on the side, for lack of a better, better term? We actually want to hear back from you as well, from our listeners. I mean, you can certainly follow us on uh, Facebook as a reminder. Soul Purpose Show uh, on Instagram. We are uh, at Soul Purpose Show 1 uh, and on Twitter at Soul Purpose Show at uh, SHO. Soul Purpose SHO 1. What's our email address, babe? It is Info at KimonConnects.com, I-N-F-O at K-E-M-O-N, that is Keith and Monica together. Connects, C-O-N-N-E-C-T-S dot com. All right. Well, again, the whole notion of protecting, if I'm protecting you, you know, when we come in our home and close the door behind us, you know, most men, we draw a kind of invisible line around our house. And that invisible line says, I'm not going to allow anything or anyone to come in and harm uh, who's in my home. So that's our perspective. The other way we protect, obviously, and again, I, th- I think I mentioned, you know, women marry for, for security. And that's not just financial security, but just security in general. The other thing that happens, I believe in B. Smith's home, is if I'm going to protect my ailing wife, I probably will have some help. I, I doubt very seriously if... Because they were doing pretty well mm-hmm. uh, before. So I doubt if there's there's no one there in the house helping with the whole caretaking, if you will, that, you know, part of their relationship. So if I am if I am holding you and if I am hugging you, if I'm doing all of those things and you're at a place mentally and physically where you can't even where you're not even recognizing that that's happening. I, I, you know, I just I question to what extent am I protecting you? 
if I am in fact providing the basic protection from and, and caregiving uh, for you, how am I protecting you and you don't and you're not even aware that I'm protecting you? Well, I don't think I necessarily have to be aware. So, for instance, as a mother, when our son was an infant, he's not aware of you know the protection that we're providing. But as a mother, a mama bear for my son. I am protecting him. He may not be aware of it, may not be aware of what I'm doing, but I'm in constant protection mode. And to me, as the husband in that relationship, understanding the need for companionship and affirmation that you're not getting, there's still a level of responsibility that I believe that as a man he has to protect his wife. And I think by being so public about this other relationship and showing her in a light that is not... And I'm not sure if... I've been around people who, loved ones who are suffering from dementia and they don't have a memory and they're not, they are a shell of their former selves and they're not who they once were. And so to me, you know that, you know, that's kind of what's coming. My initial desire is to ensure that nothing, because they're so vulnerable, they're like children, they're so vulnerable. My desire is to, would be to insulate them from all of the negativity. I'm not inviting cameras into my house. If you want to have, I mean, they wrote a book after she was diagnosed and before she started to lose her memory um, more significantly, they wrote a book. Mm-hmm. Let, if you're going to talk about it and talk about what it's like to be a caretaker and use this situation, which I think is a, a wonderful platform to have to have that conversation, because I think the statistic he said that was like one in five African-Americans will be diagnosed with dementia in their life. That and that's huge. I mean, that's that's huge. So if that is what the statistic is, that's a platform for you to be able to use that space to have a conversation with other people in the community about what to look for. This is kind of what, as a caretaker, how I'm feeling. These are the needs as a caretaker had, that a caretaker has. If you're caring for a spouse, this is what you can expect. But you're still protecting her from the criticism and people looking at her and it, it, to me, it, 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 that's the problem. That's the piece that bothers me. If you need companionship and you feel compelled to date somebody else while your wife is still alive, I can't sit in judgment. I'm not necessarily in, agree- in agreement with it, but I can't sit in judgment. My issue is the fact that you're so public well, with it. I take issue with that issue because they were both, well, I don't know what he was, actually, truth be told. I think he was but, a TV producer or something. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're, entertain- they're in, a, in, the, in the entertainment industry. I mean, she has been on, you know, on, on numerous, you know, talk shows talking about her business. She's been promoting her business. She, you know, went on to, re- you know, to, to write the book. I mean, I, you know, I just, I see them as they've, they're, they've already kind of crossed that threshold. So again, I, I don't necessarily concur that he's not in protection mode when, you know, the cameras are, are kind of all in their house, because I mean, if she were conscious, then I think that's, you know, that's exactly what she would, what she would probably want. Number one. And, and you know, number two, I guess we have to go back to the vows again, you know, and you, cause you asked the question, you know, is he, is he violating his, you know, violating his vows? I don't know. I don't think I'm not seeing that his his commitment to her wanes at all by virtue of the fact that he is that he is provided he's getting provided this companionship you know from from someone else does it bother you at all that she's living in the house you know you know it it doesn't necessarily because again we can't see that we don't know you know what the house looks like if it was a small three-bedroom two-bath house where you're just literally running into each other that's one thing but my my assumption is it is probably a big house and it's probably such that, you know, if they if they have any humanity at all between the two of them, 
that they do kind of make sure that you know she's not like observing this strange looking person because she probably doesn't even recognize her you know walking through the house I think I think the story is that they she's been I think it's been a year so based on what they're expressing that B Smith knows who she is or quote mm-hmm. unquote knows who she is yeah and 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 I don't you know and I, and again we can't get into those people's bedrooms but I just I, you know I just doubt that that it's necessary for them to take it to that level and if they are then that's just you know that's kind of that's kind of that's kind of raggedy but 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 I think you know your question really revolves around the vows. And I am still committed to you. And I'm still committed to you until you die. I do have an issue with, you know, we we have a tendency to do kind of a double standard. If the person can't be cared for safely at home, then you put them in a nursing home. And a lot of people put their spouses in nursing homes. And that, that doesn't mean that you're not, you know, caretaking for them. It just means that, you know, they've gotten to a place where, you know, where you either either can't or you don't want to to that level of care that they that they actually need because some people decide to just you know go back to work and kind of move move on with their lives so and so i will share with the, our audience that keith and i have not had these com- these conversations so one of the things that i was doing research for this is one of the conversations that's being had surrounding this whole b smith situation if it resonates with you if you are married is whether or not married people are having these kinds of life decisions kind of you know are you putting this in writing have you articulated what your plan is in the event something catastrophic happens or you're diagnosed with some terminal disease have you had a conversation about what your expectations are and what you want and you know we've kind of had one of those superficial conversations but not really you know do you have a will and if something happens what what legally what happens if you don't have a will and so you know one of the things that I thought about I was like you know well let's kind of take this B Smith situation and make it more personal let's say something god forbid happened and I was placed in a position of caretaker what would your desire be are you asking me what would my desire be uh for your happiness if you chose the one to try to be with somebody else no 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 I'm just asking in general would you would your expectation be that I would keep you at home and care for you at home put you in those yeah so I mean, it is a great question, and I, you know, I think everything is relative. I think if you're in the home, and and I was okay, and I just needed a little help, but I couldn't, you know, work anymore. I couldn't, you know, go out of the house on my own anymore. Yeah, I think it probably goes to uh, go. It's 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 probably a, a good idea that you know you leave me in my home, but you also you know you also stay uh, stay with me mm-hmm. for my own mental sanity. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I do I do think and I've seen you know with my own eyes when an individual gets to a place you know my dear mom before she passed you know gets to a place where you cannot uh, take care of yourself and as much as it you know broke my heart you know broke my brother's heart to have to put someone in where they can get some full-time attention I mean that's what that's what we had to do so I would I would hope that you would exercise the same discretion where I was concerned I'm kind of an introvert, so if I'm sitting in a room by myself, you know, reading, watching television, I, I don't think it's going to be quite as, as uh, you know, damaging for me emotionally as it would be for uh, for the average person. But uh, but no, I, I would I'd be okay with you putting me in a home. Hmm. Interesting. I probably wouldn't. So good to know. So here's what's interesting, right? I'm a I'm a I'm a fan of prenups, and I don't mean prenups as in prenuptial agreements that have to be signed and executed and, um, and, and examined by both parties' attorneys. Good, because I don't have no money. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, you know, I, I think all couples, all couples ought to go through 
the prenup, what I call kind of the prenup conversation, because a lot of it is some of the things that we talk, we're talking about now. I think the stigma around prenups are, you know, why are we saying we're going to divorce before we even get married? You know, my money should be your money and vice versa. And we shouldn't be fighting over assets because at the end of the day, you can't take them with you. So, um, so that's kind of the agree. That's kind of the argument. But I will tell you, when you talk about subjects like what happens if I'm debilitated, mm -hmm. what happens with our children if this happens unexpectedly before they get, you know, before they get grown? What if one of our children, uh, you know, X, Y, Z, like all of those kinds of things, if, if, you, uh, if you have a child with special needs, I mean, those kinds of questions, um, when I go back to that whole license to marry, you really should have to go through a course and then you should have homework and you should have the couple should have to go home and ensure that they have talked about certain types of things and certain types of, because I will tell you, not having executed a prenup, having gone through that conversation was still very valuable for me in my, in my, in my first marriage, because we got a chance to talk about a lot of things that we hadn't had an opportunity to talk about before. So the next question that I have is if you didn't ask me the question, but I would share with you that I don't know if I would want you to put me in a home. I would want you to get in-house care for me, mm -hmm. but because I've seen people in assisted living facilities and I'm weary of assisted living facilities. And now there are some assisted living facilities that are very nice, but I've also seen some that are not so nice. And so for me, I think I just feel more comfortable that if I'm in a situation where I'm debilitated or in a state where I'm not able to care for myself, my preference would be that I'm cared for at home. That's understood. That'd be my, that would be my preference. And I think as long as that's uh, financially feasible, then that's always ideal. But even then, I got to tell you, you know, I, even when, when you can have someone come to the home, there are people who suffer from conditions that don't allow them to stay in a private home right. out, a, away from available medical medical care and generally speaking uh in some type of an assisted living facility or rehab facility where a lot of where a lot of people who suffer from dementia are there is uh there's you know medically trained professionals on staff but there's also you know kind of a quick route for uh, an ambulance to get there and, mm -hmm. and get them to get them to a hospital in, in case you need, and, and in your own private home, you may, you know, you may live out in in rural America somewhere where it's going to take them a half hour to even, you know, get to your That's house. Right, so. Yeah. And so, and then the other question based on just kind of the B Smith and her husband, Dan Gatsby's situation, would you be okay if, and we'll do two different scenarios. Mm -hmm. If you passed that I dated again, mm -hmm. or if you were in such a condition where you were no, the companionship was no longer there. If I dated again. Yeah. And I, and I, and I hate to be so crass, but I don't really see him as, as that dramatically different. If I'm, if I'm dead and gone, then I'm gone. I don't know what's going on. I mean, I would like to, to I would like to think that my reputation and my, and my brand, if you will stay intact because I'm living my life a certain way for a reason so that you wouldn't do anything in my death that would that would cause shame upon you know my good name if you will but you know find somebody fall in love get married be happy and i and i and i think the same thing if i if i get to a place where i'm not conscious of what's going on around me and i'm just kind of living and existing i i don't want you to be miserable for the sake of that uh those you know death vows that i that i read when we first started this particular show so well, interestingly enough, we sh we are we are the same in that regard. I would want you to I would want you to to be happy 
And if happiness involved companionship, then I would think that you would do what you need to do to, to make that happen. But I, you know, that's one of the questions though. I think if you are married, that's something that you probably should have that conversation with your spouse. Absolutely. Um, now Dan Gatsby says that they did have that conversation. Now I will say if I'm, God forbid I'm in a situation where B. Smith is, I don't want you bringing nobody living in my house. Mm. Now, don't do that. Now, that's that. I'm, that's on the record. Do not bring anybody <laughs> to live in my house. So my sister is listening to this. You heard that. So I'm just putting that out there. Um, but I think it's also important that if you have children, that you articulate what those desires are for your kids. Mm-hmm. You, if, if, if you are okay as the parent who is ailing, that your surviving spouse or your spouse is able to date and enjoy their life. I think if you have adult children in particular, just express that to them. Or even if they're, you know, if they're old enough to kind of understand conceptually what all this means, I think having that open conversation with your children is probably helpful too. So then, you know, you're protecting the family unit because they're going to be people that have opinions. They don't know what the inner workings of your relationship are. We've kind of put what our desires are out in the public atmosphere, Mm -hmm. but most people don't have that same situation and so i think by communicating within the family about what the expectations are in the event something happens i think is beneficial so i think you know to our audience members if you're married and you haven't had those types of conversations to me b smith and her husband are a perfect example i mean it turn the light on for me that that's a conversation that we as a married couple should have and be able to articulate that the reasons why we feel a particular way such that God forbid something happened, we're fully aware of kind of what our what what we expect. You mentioned putting things in writing. Um, you know, I'm a lawyer, so I fully believe that you should put things in writing. So there's really no confusion. There's no confusion about tone and what your intent was. You put everything in writing. You get that bad boy signed, and so that you put it in a safe, safe, secure box, and then it's there. One of the things that I was doing when preparing for this particular podcast is to research the number of people that die without a will. And the number was staggering. It's like 53 to 60% of people Mm -hmm. and some of whom have children die without a will. So my practice area is not estates and trust uh, or probate. So I'm kind of providing information based on my bar books, the books that I've had when I was studying for the bar Mm. and keep in mind that all states laws are different, but whether you're married or not, but in particular for individuals who are married or who have children or have a significant other speak to a legal professional to put yourself together a will. So at least your end of life desires are well known and there's no confusion because the worst thing that can happen, I've seen it is that when someone passes or someone gets sick and they're not able to communicate for themselves about what they would like to happen, family members don't always agree. And because family members don't always agree, it's kind of, it's vitally important that you have some type of plan. So whether that's a will, um, whether that's a trust, whatever that is, I strongly recommend that you reach out to a legal professional to put that together. Um, In Florida, and again, all states are different, but in Florida, if you are married and you have descendants, then there is a the intestate law, and it's, it's statutory. It kind of dictates who gets your assets. Um, so as an example, if you are survived by a spouse, if you're the surviving spouse and you have children, then 100% of the deceased person's estate would go to the spouse. If you are a surviving spouse, and you have you and your spouse had children, but some of the children were not yours. And let's say you don't like 
your spouse's children. If there's no will in the state of Florida, if the spouse whose children those are passes and you're the surviving spouse, you only get half of your spouse's estate and the children, the descendants of the decedent, the the spouse who has died would get the other half of that estate. So it's just, it's easier. And then, you know, you see a lot of times when people pass in our, in our community where people, you see GoFundMe pages, mm-hmm. um, raising money for funeral expenses. And so it just, I think just being kind of on top of things. I mean, there is some work in full transparency. There's some work that Keith and I need to do um, relative to um, kind of the, our life plan and our afterlife plan to ensure that all of our children are t- taken care of. But, you know, as a community, I think that that's something that we need to focus on. We talk, we focus a lot on life and living your best life and you only live once and, and that's good, but all of us will die. And so I think that we really kind of, I don't hate to be a downer in this particular episode, but I think all of us, B. Smith's this situation, I think, in addition to being just a situation, a conversation that spouses need to have, it's also a conversation in our community that we need to have about making sure that all of our I's are dotted and all our T's are crossed when it comes to life plans and afterlife plans. I think all that's great. But at the end of the day, um, people get married, they, they're thinking about living. I mean, I think I think we, I think the, a part of the issue is that men and women marry for different reasons. And I think that women tune in very early on with the whole security thing. And, you know, we're, since we're generally a, a, a little bit more I don't want to say practical. I mean, that's, that's probably not the word. But, that's not the word. But si- just use. just simple in, 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 in some of the tangible things that we, we like to see to provide us security going going into a marriage. But at the end of the day, we're, you know, we're getting married because we, we feel like it's time. We think it's time. It, and we don't require a lot of things in writing, generally speaking, because uh, we go into a task oriented. And we got to protect. We got to provide. We got to. You know, so that's that's just that's just our our, our general focus going into. And that's fine, but I think all I'm merely saying is, God forbid something happens to me, don't bring no chick in this house living in this house with me in it, and don't put me in a home to bring no chick up in here. Don't you can you don't if you're in the home you don't know what's going on in in the house. I let the record reflect that I have said on the Soul Purpose Show on this date that God forbid something happened to me. And I'm unable to communicate for myself. I need my friends, my village, my sister village to check my husband. If he brings a trial up into this house to live under the roof and puts me in a home so he can get gallivant all over town with some young chick. All that sounds like hate to me. Well, you can call it what you want. I put it out there so you're fully aware. And my question would be when we got together and you made all of those vows, whatever. What did you make those vows because you wanted me to be happy, or did you make those vows because you wanted me to be dead? I I I made those. I made those vows so you'd be happy with me, not happy with some random floozy that makes a decision that she's gonna pounce on you after I'm gone. Judge. Oh, whatever. All right. Well, I think that was a good conversation. I think it was an excellent conversation. It was informative, don't you think? I think it was very informative. It, you know, a lot. He of, sometimes lets me pick topics. This was my topic. Well, I mean, while we do these, some of these topics are public service announcements as well. I mean, and, you know, in all seriousness, we, um, you know, we we have a unique perspective on things because we're just, you know, we're just kind of real people. We're real, you know, professional people who. Um, you know, decided to just open up a little bit of ourselves 
uh, and also to, to educate and enlighten and, uh, and, and make our folks aware because a lot of black people were raised kind of, you know, in the traditional, in the traditional setting, which says, you know, these kind of serious subjects, you know, you, you kind of keep away from the other kids because you don't want them to be worried about all those types of things. So, um, which is, which is fodder for a future podcast. So, but before we end, I would like, we are going to, we have a new initiative that we're going mm. to unveil. Ooh. Mm. Um, for those of us, for those people who are listening, who know Keith and I know that we are big proponents of supporting black business. And so one of the things that we plan on doing on this podcast is to showcase and highlight um, a black business, every podcast and the name of that segment will be a black will be black business break uh, because we really do want to make sure that there's um, you know there's a lot of fantastic uh, African-American owned businesses out there that are doing some really unique things and sometimes you hear about them sometimes you do not so we hope with the with the reach of our audience that we can start to reach some new um, prospects and some new customers. We want to circulate that black dollar around the community. So um, that's a little shameless plug. If you are um, a black business or you know of a black business um, that you think would be, you know, that we should highlight during our black business break, then hit us up on social media, Facebook, Soul Purpose Show, IG, Instagram at Soul Purpose Show One or at Twitter at Soul Purpose SHO1, um, or hit us up on our email info at kimonconnects.com um, and let us know that you are either a black business owner or know of someone that you think we should highlight. So that's my shameless plug. Thank you for your shameless plug. You're and welcome, we, boo. And I think this is a good time to say goodbye to all of our listeners. And more than anything else, we want to thank you for joining us on the Soul Purpose Show. Yes, goodbye. This has been another episode of The Soul Purpose Show, produced by Keith Harris and Monica Harris. Music by Antonia Janae, featuring Sean Woods. Be sure to follow us on Facebook at Soul Purpose Show, Instagram at Soul Purpose Show 1, and Twitter at Soul Purpose SHO1. This is so Purpose up.